resorts, and this is the resort, one of the resorts we stay at. And as all resorts, they are all inclusive, which means you can have all you can eat, and it's all provided. All your, if you indulge in things to that degree, you can have all the liquor you want. And as you can see, this guy on the end, he's really taken advantage of that bar thing. And there he is. <laughs> I don't know who he is. But I, we took the picture, and he's just standing looking at the sun. That's what happens when you, you're at the bar a little bit too much uh, at these resorts. That's what's going to happen to you, a little warning there. Here is, uh, <clears throat> this is Jimmy and his wife, Yannette. They are the people that we first got uh, involved with. He oversees, you would know him as a bishop in our denominations up here. He oversees about 17 or 18 small churches within uh, Holguin. And uh, built from the ground up. And one of those churches, uh, this is the beginning of one of them. This is what the building looked like when Jimmy bought it. Um, it was used for something else, uh, but they never finished it. Uh, so Jimmy bought this, and this is another look at, um, at what it's like uh, when he bought it. Pretty rough. And then he started to do some work on it. And start to look like this. And this is what it looks like when I went down in November. Um, now, what's amazing about this is you see that roof and everything that's on there. That uh, was all done manually. There's no machines. All the cement had to be carried up, all of the rebar, all, everything had to be carried by hand uh, because in Cuba there's just not a lot of opportunity to have the machinery and stuff like that. Uh, the inside, uh, this is a beautiful picture of the inside. That's Jimmy there. He's uh, just looking at the pews. This is what it looks like with the pews now. This is an amazing thing, and everything was done by hand. Uh, Jimmy and, uh, and some guys, and he hired a few laborers. But uh, it's an incredible thing what they've done there. So we're just very happy that we're able to help uh, build that church. Another thing that the money that has been given to the mission uh, in Cuba, one of the things it was able to purchase, some of you know about this, but is Casadonna. And this is a really significant thing. Some of you, again, may already know the story of this, but in Holguin, there's a children's hospital. There's another one in, in uh, Havana also. And uh, there's only two. And when the mothers and fathers bring their children to the children's hospital in Havana, uh, they have, there's nowhere for them to stay because they don't have enough money. Uh, it's hard to explain to you the poverty that's in Cuba. A lot of people don't quite understand how poor everyone actually is. So most children, when they come to this hospital, are there for quite a period of time. And the hospital does not provide food for the children. That has to be provided by the parents. And the parents have to find their own accommodation and their own food. Well, that just didn't happen because no one has the money. A lot of them were sleeping outside in the parks at night. Thankfully, it's Cuba. You can do that, but who wants to sleep outside? It's kind of tough when it's raining. And so we were made aware of the situation, and uh, through some amazing generosity, uh, we were able to purchase this building. And this is called Casadonna. And the name Casadonna, uh, Donna Evans or uh, Morgan, sorry, that's her husband's name, Evan, who's here. Put up your hand, Evan. Um, she was uh, a great, great lover of Cuba. She passed some years ago, 
Um, and it was a very sad passing, but she loved Cuba. And what one of the real blessings we were able to do was to build this place and put her name on it, uh, Casadonna, just in remembrance of all the work and all of the struggle that she did for Cuba and the fundraising. And that's Evan, who was there for the inauguration of the building. Uh, we purchased it. We didn't build it, but uh, that's a three-story building. And in it, we've got... Uh, all kinds of beds, there's a kitchen, there's washrooms, there's showers, people can come and do their laundry, they can stay overnight, they can cook food. It's what you and I would call a Ronald McDonald house. And uh, these are some of the people that have used it. It's really amazing. And when I was there for the inauguration of it, they had all kinds of people from the government and everything there because it's, it's pretty unprecedented uh, in all of Cuba, actually. So it's, it's quite an amazing thing. They also have a little church uh, there, and this guy who's speaking, what a tremendous story. His life has turned around in the last two years. He was a pretty hardcore guy in the streets of Holguin, and uh, uh, faith came into his life, and now he's speaking at the church there. There's another uh, thing that we support. Uh, by the way, with Casadonna, this year we are saving money. We're trying to raise money to buy a water purification system because what we're going to do is the community in Cuba, the water's not very good. A lot of people get sick because of the water. So this year we're taking money down and we're going to purchase a purification system. And then Casadonna will be able to supply uh, drinking water for the whole community around the house, which is really significant. And it's a great way to help the people uh, there in Holguin. Uh, there's an orphanage. The best and I use that word in a very light way, the best orphanage for uh, disabled people in Cuba is in Holguin. It's for abandoned, mentally and physically disabled uh, children and adults. Uh, these were some of the nurses when we went there. Uh, I, I can't tell you enough about how these women sacrificed for the work of these kids. This little boy here uh, was a boy that they had discovered was living with parents who lived in one room with their horse. Uh, they had very severe mental health issues. Uh, the baby was being physically abused, and uh, they were able to uh, get the little boy and bring him in, and he's since been adopted and growing and healthy, and it's, it's a real success story. Uh, but... When we went there, you'll see here, this is all the equipment used because a lot of people have very severe palsy or other conditions that they have to learn how to walk, they have to learn how to stand in some cases. And this equipment, when you're walking around it, it's all out of the 50s. As you know, Cuba stood still after the revolution. And uh, a lot of the stuff was just jerry-rigged, put together. But you'll notice that a lot of it, it doesn't have any ropes. A lot of this stuff was not working because it didn't have rope. And they couldn't get rope. Um, it's crazy to think, but they couldn't get rope. So we brought rope down to them. And now all of that machinery is working. Uh, you don't have to do much to help sometimes. It's really crazy. Um, so we help with the orphanage. We take stuff down. We've taken uh, some blood machines down and other things that they need they let us know what they need and we try to purchase them because you can't purchase anything in Cuba so 
I also want to show you somebody that we met about a year and a half ago to give you an idea of how just somebody actually lives in Cuba. This is a young man by the name of Bolo. Bolo, we met him about a year and a half ago, as I said, and he has just graduated with his engineering degree. And 23-year-old young guy, just got married in August. And um, when we were speaking to him and he was uh, getting ready, it was before he was married, he was telling me about the frustration of being in Cuba. He said, I can't make more than 30 or $40 a month. He said, I can't get off the island to make more because they won't let him let you off the island. And as he's telling us this, he's like he's starting to cry with the frustration of, of realizing that he really is captive to his condition down there. And to give you an idea of what they have free education in Cuba, but, and it is, it's a wonderful thing that they have that. But to give you the inside, a look at the inside of the university, this is the, the door to his dorm. This is the door. Um, this is another picture of the door here. And as you can see, it's pretty beat up. Um, I was kind of in shock when I went inside. This is where people are supposed to get their masters <laughs> living in these conditions. This is uh, his room. Um, his his bed was on the right. You see another young man who shared a very, very, very small space. Another picture of it here. And those windows, go, those go right to the outside. So when it rains, you've got the weather coming in. You've got mosquitoes and stuff coming in. Uh, it's really rough. This is the washroom area. Uh, no doors, of course. And um, it's just really rough. He sent me this picture in December. Uh, and I'm going, okay, you know, what's that? I texted him and said, what is it? I said, is it a party or something? And he said, no, chicken had just arrived at the grocery store. Um, and this, there was literally, as you can see, probably six, 700 people there, maybe 100 got chicken. The economy in Cuba is in absolute ruin. And the uh, the things that... The American government have put against Cuba right now really are, are seriously hurting those people right there. Uh, it's not going to change the communist regime. It's just going to hurt those people right there, unfortunately. And uh, this is just a little video of where Bolo and his wife live in Holguin. This is the outside kind of place where they wash their clothes um, that's styrofoam. That's ingenious. <laughs> I, I, for the plug. There you go. Find a piece of styrofoam where you go. This is walking into their house, uh, which is just really a couple of rooms. They don't have any furniture, um, but uh, they have those two chairs. This is looking outside in the area in which they live, very rough area of Holguin. But to be honest, a lot of Holguin looks just like this. Everything is about to fall down. The recent earthquake, Jimmy said to me, one house fell down. I'm surprised only one house fell down. Um, but uh, so this is their living room and uh, there's their bedroom. And this is the washroom. Very basic, and that's a very good washroom for Cuba, i got to tell you. That's really good. And this is the spare bedroom, but they can't use it because the rain comes in through the roof. <laughs> so you can't really use it. And there's their kitchen. 
So Bolo grew up in the country, and a lot of people don't know what the country in Cuba actually looks like to live in the villages. So Bill and I, that's Bill Walsh, he's from our church here, uh, Bolo took us on a trip. It was a two-hour drive uh, to a little town outside of Hogin, about two hours away, and then we had to go up into the mountains, and this is the way you got up into the mountains, um, was that's how you got up. And... Uh, it was like 45 minutes up into the mountains uh, through this. And once you got to there, this is what Bolo's house where he grew up in looks like. It's actually quite a nice little place. Um, this is a video going into his, uh, his house. It was quite a big day because we were the first gringos, the first non-Cubans to ever be in this village and to be with his parents. His parents had never met anyone outside of Cuba before. So they're killing the fatted calf there. Um, for us, it was a pretty big day. They only do that uh, once a year. So we were, we were pretty fortunate. And this is Bolo's uh, mother. Look at her cooking. Look at what she's cooking on. I, I, I love that. The, the flame in the background. It's just, uh, it's just, that. That's what it is. It's rough. She was a wonderful host. She fed us and the pod, I don't know how they ever use those pods again, but anyway, this, uh, you went uh, down a little path and you came to his cousin's house and that's what their house looks like. This inside, that's a Singer sewing machine with the pump action. Uh, some of you are maybe experienced enough to remember those <laughs> those sewing machines and they're still using them there this is the washroom that's something i happily did not have to use and uh, when you grow up in the jungle this is what you learn how to do this is uh, i just wanted to show this he went up and he was getting us coconuts um and uh i guess that's almost a given cuban kind of ability now when you live in the, the villages like this in the mountains but uh, he went up and threw down a bunch of coconuts and we we broke them open and and away we go it was really nice it's crazy this is outside one of his cousin's house they grow beans part of castro's plan was that everybody in cuba would get three it's either three or five acres of land and on it, they could grow their food, and they could also grow some crops to sell so they would have income. And uh, a lot of them up there grow beans, uh, coffee beans. And I don't drink coffee, but his aunt gave me a little bit of coffee in the bottom of a glass. Oh, my heavens. I was flying for the rest of the day. Like, that is real coffee. But in this little village, it's 45 minutes up into the mountains, and you're walking through these paths to different areas of it, and you come upon this. This is the school. Again, part of the Castro Revolution concept that all these villages would have a school and would have uh, a store and would be able to be self-sustaining uh, self uh, through what's available. This is the hospital. And this serves about 200 people. It's right across the street from the school. 
Uh, we're going to take a bunch of supplies to this uh, this year. And uh, obviously, you go in there, all they have are basically band-aids, some gauzing, a few things like that. Uh, we have taken down three or four hundred needles when we went down in November because there's no needles in the hospitals. And when people go into the hospitals, they are reusing the needles, uh, re-sanitizing them, but uh, sanitized or not. Plus, when you use a needle once, it, it actually uh, degrades the needle itself and it makes it harder to use the next time. Um, right beside the hospital was a store. And this is what was in the store. Not a lot. Um, just some very basic things in the store. And again, it's all part of the idea that Castro wanted people to have what they needed to live where they lived, wherever they lived in Cuba. What's interesting is this village, 45 minutes up straight into the woods, it all had electricity, uh, which was really amazing. But the store, you can see there's not very much there. And um, there's, I think, if you're looking for underwear... And whatever those green things are, you're in luck. Uh, I saw some, there were some toothbrushes, uh, but that's about it. Pretty tight area. This is the church, uh, which was, you walk a little bit through the woods and you came upon this. This was a church that was started 90 years ago. Same time Faith Tabernacle was being started here in Halifax, that church was being started. Uh, Faith Tabernacle celebrated their 90th anniversary this year. This is the Sunday school um, so that's, it, it was really, it's hard to imagine it through the pictures, but this is all in an area about as big as the top of Citadel Hill, and, but it's all forest and jungle. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful, and probably not the worst way to grow up um, in some ways, but again, the deprivation and the need is, uh, is extremely pronounced. Cuba is very, very poor, and they don't have any hard currency. And uh, their number one export is their intelligentsia, their engineers, their doctors, their optometrists. Uh, they will send those out to Latin American countries, Africa, the Middle East. There's a hospital in the Middle East that just got started, and it's got 240 doctors. They're all from Cuba. Uh, that country will pay Cuba $5,500 a month for each doctor. The doctors get about somewhere between $500 and $1,000 a month. So Cuba is doing this all over South America, Latin America, Africa. So that is their main income, is the uh, wholesaling out of their intelligentsia, um, which is great, um, I guess, in some ways. It's giving them hard currency. And tourism is actually the third or fourth as far as making uh, money for them. But what's happening is most people in Cuba have somebody in the United States who is sending them money. And that's really the only way the island is operating at all because there's so many Cubans uh, in Miami and in the United States. Um, there's a, a message here from Jimmy. I just want to uh, play you. Hello, Mosaic Church in Halifax and uh, all the other brethren that are connected to Evan Morgan. Uh, I'm Pastor Jimmy and my wife Janet here. Uh, we want to thank you all for everything that you do for us. It's so important. And you are going to have the blessing of probably watching the Thanksgiving of all the pastors that uh, are here in this meeting. And uh, 
thank you for the effort and every little thing that you do for us and how you pray for us and how you always think about us every week and uh, so thank you so much I mean the work of the Lord is prospering being prospered here um, you may later on watch the videos and the pictures of the baptism we had on Saturday and uh, know that uh, all of that he's accomplished here is because of the power of the Lord but it also uh, is due to uh, what you do in sending support and sending blessings and especially praying for us and having you in our hearts. We're one team, we're one family and we have you in our prayers always. God bless you so much, family.